I'm gearing up for Kansas, dude. So I'll, I'm trying to get all my SD cards formatted and all that fun stuff before I'm. Oh, I, I know that feeling, dude. You know how it is. So we're about to <laughs> freaking wheels up here, and uh, I leave tomorrow. Well, today's Wednesday, so I got one more day of work. So I work tomorrow till six thirty, and then wheels up at three in the morning on Friday. So there you go. Ooh, man, I'm freaking riled up about it. All right, guys, welcome back to the Part Time Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Gross. Super glad to have you guys again on another episode. We are in the double digits now. It's kind of hard to, to believe, man. We started this podcast like maybe a, about a half a month ago, two, three weeks ago. And we've already had some super crazy awesome guests. And of course, obviously, turkey season hot on the brain right now. I'm actually in the shop, aka the garage, gearing up for my little turkey tour that we're going to do. We're going to hit Kansas and Nebraska. I already got my tags in the pocket. They're burning a hole already. And, and uh, it's just all centered about turkey hunting in this episode and man the great part about this podcast is the part-time hunter no commercials no fillers no bullshit just a pure hunting podcast and this afternoon actually tonight depending on where you're at i've got jed miller on the podcast fresh from turkey season already if you guys don't already follow him he'll give you his uh his socials but but jed go ahead and introduce yourself man what's going on i uh yeah my name's jed miller i'm just a 24 year old kid from flatlands of central iowa and i love hunting i love fishing specifically uh turkey hunting and everything in between i guess dude that's perfect man and and so where what state are you out of again iowa iowa that's right yeah so you guys are in the the land of the giants for our whitetail fans out there obviously that's on a lot of guys bucket lists and and uh, iowa kind of made famous here in the last you know i'd say probably 10 or 12 years from Oh, the guys that hunt on social media, but yeah, man, what a freaking awesome state, especially for deer, turkey, and I'm sure a host of a ton of other game, but if you guys don't already, go follow Jed, man, he's got a really awesome IG page, does some freaking killer photography, and uh, and and is a really cool guy, we actually got to meet a couple uh, a couple Februarys ago at the NWTF, where he was checking out the Grounded booth, uh, you know, I was over there doing some work for Drew Abel and the Grounded guys, and and in the launch of their new turkey uh, turkey vest, the Impact, you know, 1.0 at that point. So uh, we got to talk some turkey, and it's always been in my brain, you know, getting this podcast rolling to have him on here because, yeah, I mean, obviously he's got some fresh boots on the ground stories coming up. But but uh, also, man, so to kick it off and kind of let people know where you're at, you know, what kind of where can they follow you on, on IG and also your YouTube channel? Yeah, so my, my Instagram is just at Miller underscore hunt and photo. Um I'm on Facebook. It's just Jed Miller. Or it's actually probably Jedediah Miller. And then uh, my, my YouTube is just Jed Miller. So, Dude, that's killer. Yeah, I'm actually literally watching, which I've, I'm shamelessly, I've already watched it uh, earlier today because I just wanted some background info. But uh, your turkey episodes from last year were killer, and you I, I, killed a bunch of turkeys. Got on a hot streak out of state, it looks like. So definitely going to dive into that. But the newest turkey video that you got, the archery opener, was that the archery opener? Was that for... Was that in Iowa, or where did you, where were you guys at? That was actually in Nebraska. Nebraska, so, okay. Yeah, Iowa just opened. We have four seasons here in Iowa, and our first season just opened Monday. So I've every year, I mean, being this close to Nebraska, I try to go out there because they open um, usually the 25th of March. So that's just kind of an excuse to get out early and scratch the itch a little bit. So, yeah, we went out there uh, the week, the first weekend in April. It was me, my brother, my good friend Seth. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's archery only. So it's, I mean, it's, it's probably not our preferred way to hunt them, you know, cause we usually just, we're running gun, no decoys and stuff, but, uh, it's kind of relaxing to get out there, sit in the ground blind. And as you saw, we called up that long beard to like, I don't know, like 10 yards there. My brother's able to get an arrow in him. Dude, that's killer, man. Yeah. So like, I've definitely been following along with the season so far. I mean, obviously we all get to drool over the guys in South Florida that get to hit them you know, seems like first every year. And then you've got the archery seasons that roll in, especially Kansas and Nebraska. Those guys have been crushed. I'm actually – the guy that I'm meeting out in uh, Kansas is uh, Seth Fritz, uh, another great guy on IG to follow. But uh, he's actually been slamming some birds on the ground. I think he shot one this afternoon, uh, archery tag as well. Because I believe the gun season for Kansas opens, I want to say Friday, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's the 14th. Which is weird, because you would think it'd be on a Saturday, but but yeah, man, Jed. So pr pretty much us guys in North Georgia, we've be, kind of been you know kicked in the nuts a little bit, not in a bad way. It's really, I mean, ultimately it's for the good of the wild turkey population. But but man, you know, I, since I was a middle school dude, it's always been the third Saturday in March every year. You know, getting out and chasing these turkeys. You know, our shotgun season. So it kind of lined up with, I guess, Alabama and Mississippi at one point, and then due to 
you know, the DNR says population decline, which, you know, it obviously they're out there, you know, doing their job. So if, if that's the case, I'm all for it. But, man, it's so tough to see these guys get get to go whack them first thing and then, you know, March rolls back and first, first of April we get to go at them. So, yeah, man, it's just I, – I totally feel your pain. So getting out there early and getting a crack at them and, and let alone getting something on film, pretty freaking sweet. I, I'm watching yeah. the part right now where that Tom comes cruising in from the right side of your blind. Oh, yeah. So that's that's wicked. So when you guys were in Nebraska, were you guys public or private, or where where were you at? Uh, this was actually th- we were on private. This was oh first, okay. We uh usually I you know we're public warriors out there, but I we uh met a guy last summer who is from uh, the Omaha area, and he's like, hey, come on out. He's like, I got a couple hundred acres. You guys can hunt, and I was like, oh I'll sweet. So, yeah, we we got to go. He, I mean, it was. It was like we were at an outfitter. He gave us a place to stay and wow, it was awesome. So, oh man, no, hey, hey, definitely when you don't have to sweat it out on public and you got a like a little you know layup shot like that. Which I mean, turkey hunting's turkey hunting. I don't care where you're at. Turkeys do what they do, and yeah. and it's always a challenge. I mean, I mean, even you guys, you know, you know, looks like you you know held out till day two to get one. So, like I said, people talk trash either way, but I, I dude, you're not gonna hear that from me. Turkey hunting's turkey hunting, public or private. They both have their challenges and. And that's awesome to see you guys had a successful hunt there, man. So a yeah. little bit of a background on Jed Miller, you know, because you grew up in Iowa. Have you, are you from Iowa originally or you moved there? No, I'm born and raised. Born and raised Iowa. Okay, perfect. So growing up, you know, how did you, I mean, do you come from a hunting background or, you know, had some mentors or how, how did it all come about? And, you know, kind of what was the first game you started chasing growing up? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, been hunting my whole life. My, uh, my dad got me into it. My grandpa a little bit. Um, I also have a brother who's in that video. He's a year younger than me, but so we started hunting around the the same age and dad got us into it. Dad was, a uh, he really got into turkey hunting in the late nineties and was die hard, die hard deer turkey hunter, um, all through the early two thousands. And then we got, we kind of got to the age where we were going on. He, he was taking us a lot more and he kind of stepped back from it and he still goes out. He actually, filled both his tags last year but yeah he taught us everything we know and still to this day every time i shoot a deer or turkey he's the first person i call so dude that that's so awesome man yeah I, I was i was fortunate enough to have both my uh both sets of grandparents uh both my granddad and my papa and then also my dad so kind of like you you know hunting was a big influence and, and normally here in in georgia uh you know mostly known for for turkeys and stuff like that i mean a little bit of a white tail but obviously nothing compared to iowa and then uh, obviously if you're a duck or goose hunter you got to kind of have to travel versus the you know our early goose population is pretty local but yeah as as a georgia kid kind of had the same the same upbringing as you so that, that that's awesome to hear man and and guys that are listening out there that you may not have had that influence in your life you know as a, a dad or an uncle or a brother or cousin or whoever you know definitely re- reach out to guys i mean there there's there's no shortage of people out there that'll you know definitely take the chance up to be your mentor take you hunting and show you the ropes because that's truly how this stuff gets passed down you know so you know it's not always father to son it's sometimes best friend to best friend or mentor to to young hunter so man that's a that's awesome to hear dude absolutely yeah. so right. i mean obviously you guys i mean did you i mean you, you've taken some freaking i mean what i would consider some monster whitetail and i mean so i have you been deer hunting ever since you were little or you kind of take that up later on with a camera or how, how did that come about your, your dad i'm guessing yeah, he uh he got us into deer hunting pretty young, and we, we uh, to be honest, it just wasn't that successful. Young, we just we have a youth season here in September, and we went and did that. But I don't think I shot my first deer um, until I was a freshman in high school. Wow. Um, okay. Actually, yeah, I shot I shot a doe with my brother my freshman year, but then after that, that's that was about when my dad kind of we had like a little farm permission farm, and my dad has shot. I can't. I, he has a office full of whitetails on the wall they shot this farm he completely just stepped away from it and was wow. like it's your guys's now he's like go ahead and have at it and really ever since then me and my brother just got die hard on it and yeah i loved i loved to bow hunt whitetails but yeah them turkeys are that's where my heart's at dude i'm telling you man and that's something that we, we try to relay in these you know early episodes of the podcast is you know this this podcast is aimed it, you know just like the title says part-time hunter really aimed towards that guy that may not be able to get out and chase them, may not be paid to chase them, a professional hunter, a guy that works 
nine to five Monday through Friday and you know those couple weeks of vacation he gets every year he really tries to to maximize his time and that's you know speaking to the spring turkey hunter whether you're a new guy you picked a call up at NWTF or online or a new shotgun or or maybe you're a seasoned vet maybe you've been hunting them since you were 10 years old you know with your grandparents your best friends or whatever man this is a uh, dude I'm telling you just like you said Jed when turkey hunting gets in your blood it's a whole nother it's a whole nother deal man there's so many just aspects of it that just get to you so so i mean to your soul dude it's just it's crazy and that's something that i experienced a couple of weeks ago on our opener when uh opening weekend when i filmed dad taking his bird man it was just like man i, I just came alive again dude it's so hard yep. it's so hard to describe unless you you're sitting out there and you know you watch the morning wake up and everything's unfolding in front of you dude it's just man i, I don't know I, I love duck and goose hunting you know, that stuff has its place, you know, obviously drawing back on a big whitetail or, you know, big game, that stuff's, you know, adrenaline rocking too. But man, just having that intimate, you know, calling that long beard in, you know, and you talking his language, it's just on another level, dude. It just, exactly. It, it just exactly. gets, it just gets up on you. So obviously, you know, before we dive into, you know, your current year, you know, last year, you know, looking at, you know, kind of, you, you took a, you know, some people call it taking swings or taking a turkey tour or, you know, a plethora of names for taking trips out of state to kill wild turkeys because it's such a that's another cool aspect is traveling and experiencing other subspecies and how you hunt them and how they react to a call stuff like that so you how many states did you hit last spring oh boy i hunted let me think one two three i think i hunted seven or eight no, I hunted seven, and I was successful in six of those states. Oh wow, dude, that's a really that's a really good ratio for sure. So what what was your what was your top? I mean, were you mostly in the west, or you kind of spread it out, or what? Were you trying to knock off subspecies, or what was kind of the the objective for like how you planned this trip? I I just kind of well, me and my buddy Seth, we talked the year before, and we're like, okay, we got to go take a trip and go chase some Merriams. Um, so we we planned a nine day trip. We both got our vacation. Um, and we, we left on a Friday, drove through the night to Wyoming there, um, got it done early in Wyoming. I shot mine the first the first afternoon there. Seth got his the following morning, and then we loaded up the truck again, headed north to Montana. Um, I think I shot mine the following morning from that, and then he shot his the following afternoon from that. And then we said, heck, we've got to head back east. Let's go to South Dakota. So we went through South Dakota and I was able to get one there and Seth wasn't able to get his tag, but, uh, so we headed home from there and then, yeah, we had a few weeks of hunting in Iowa again. Then I went back to Minnesota. I, I did a repeat there. I, I shot one there a couple years ago, but I wanted to hunt it again. And it was, that was a, that was a tough one. And then uh, I ended my year in Wisconsin with a miss. So, Oh, dang. Oh, I remember that. Did, did you put, did you post that episode? I was trying to remember if you I, put. I, I don't think I filmed that one actually. I think that was my last weekend of the year. That was just a fun night. hunt. I yeah. said, you know what? I'm just going to leave the camera and I'm just going to go. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean, and, and that's that's such a challenge that, you know, guys like you and me that do create content, you know, not professionally, but just for fun. It's such a struggle, dude. Like, I definitely wake up those mornings sometimes, especially when you're, you know, grinding it out, especially out of state, man. I mean, you literally, when you go out of state for turkey trips, like you literally feel like you're wasting, you just don't waste any seconds. So like you go, 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 go. I mean, you're literally sleeping just for the bare minimum and you're out there again. So yeah, dude, I, I totally feel you like grabbing that camera. You're just like, ah, screw it, dude. I'm just going to go kill some yeah. turkeys. This morning. Yeah. The filming thing is just purely for fun to me. I mean, I don't, I don't film for any, I mean, I, I do some work for some companies that I will give them clips, but I, it's just for fun. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, this last one of the year, I'm just going to go have fun. And man, I had him, he could, he did his part and I messed it up. So, ah, uh, Hey, you know, it, you know what they say, dude, if, if you haven't missed a turkey yet, you haven't been turkey hunting long enough. That's just, that's exactly. just facts, dude. Like absolute, especially on public land, you know, when you're real, I mean, last day or you're trying to get it done and that tags right there, obviously as hunters, you know, we're not trying to force a bad shot, but you get in those compromising situations where, you know, you, it's either you take the shot or you, you don't, you know, so it's just like, man, it, you know, you, so it happens, man. It's happened to the best of us for sure. So, so you guys kind of concentrated on, you know, I like to call them bright boys, but you know, those blonde fans, you know, those super white tip Merriams, that was kind of what you guys targeted last spring. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. For at least for those nine days when we took that, you know, that one specific swing out West. Yeah. It was, it was all about the Merriams for, that's all we were. Dude, that's, that's so, cool. that's so sick, man. That's such a cool 
species of bird, especially the habitat that they live in. I mean, you can be in those crazy, huge, you know, pines and, uh, I mean, what, what other trees are out there? I'm trying to think of the, uh, Aspen. yeah, dude, yeah. that's just a thick block of woods or they can be in some wide open prairie. Like if you're in Nebraska where they're in those, you know, like little, I don't even know what I call them down here, like little cattle draws, stuff like that. Those little, yeah, you know, canyons. It is such a crazy terrain those birds live in. And it seems like, uh, I mean, especially my, my experience in Nebraska, like when we, we went out, we, we hunted a piece of private with uh, Nebraska spur chasers, some of my best friends to this day now. But it's like, yeah, we're going to walk out this property and, you know, we're going to roost them, but technically you can kind of see them from the road. I'm, I'm like, seeing a turkey in a, in a roost tree from the road? Because, like, dude, yeah. dude, where I'm from, it's just acres and acres and acres of woods. So, like, typically roosting a turkey for us is like you go out dusky dark, uh, and you hit them with an owl hooter, you know, kind of like, you know, Shane Simpson, super famous for those clips. And, and, oh, yeah. uh, and you know, you just kind of drop a pin on them. It's not like you can go out and say, well, I, I can freaking see the dude up in the tree. So that, right. that was an experience for me. And, and, uh, it just seems like those birds that when they hit the ground, they just don't really stand still. It seems no. like, it seems like yeah. they have an agenda or something. Yeah. Those, those Rios and those, those hybrids and those Miriams, they are, that was one thing that I, we definitely found out quick is you got to be in shape because you, these things, I cannot believe how fast those birds move. Dude, it's almost like, now I don't have any experience other than just in the Southeast, you know, hunting whitetail as far as like my big game, you know, credentials go. But it seems like a Miriam is like almost a miniature elk hunt almost. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. Like, like see here in the South, you can almost uh, like in my experience, you can, you know, on like an acre and a half, you can bump a bird, and if you kind of play it conservative and stick with him, he's not really going to leave the county. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to sure. be in the, you know, general vicinity and, you know, maybe check some hens and kind of calm back down, and then he may go back to Goblin later in the afternoon. So it's just kind of – it's crazy. Like, it, like no, I, I'm about to go chase the Merriams too at West, but it just seems like – I don't know I don't know if you bumped a Merriam, it seems like maybe he would go – like a long ways before he calmed down. And, and I don't know that, but it just seems like it. Yeah, I, I, I can say that. So the bird I shot last year in uh, Wyoming, there was another turkey a couple hundred yards away, Goblin too. And we immediately wow. got my bird and then we went and chased after that one. And actually, like, he was very responsive and we saw him, saw his fan once or twice, but he had some hens and then he, we just let him go because he wasn't really, the hens were kind of, Throwing a ranch in our plans, we let him go and figured where he'd probably roost. We went in and killed him the next morning. I mean, maybe only 300, 400 yards from where, we, from where I shot mine. So wow, yeah, yeah, dude, that that's a that's a that's crazy, dude, for sure. So have you ever been to the south yet? Try to chase a you know one of these smart easterns around, or have you done that yet? I have not. I I it was oh. kind of talked about. I'm gonna try and sneak down to Tennessee actually on Friday, but those plans kind of fell through. Uh, oh but no, crap. I. I'm dying to get down there one of these years for sure. Well, well, you may just have to come down here and help with me, dude, because we we could definitely uh, probably line that up for you. It's just a whole different, it's a whole different deal, you know. Easterns, in in my opinion, they now all turkeys are smart, but it just seems like Easterns are sometimes they have the upper hand on you, and then also the gobble is just completely unmatched, in my opinion, versus other Absolutely. species. Now, I I kind of like the Merriam, like a Merriam to me sounds like a farm turkey, just based on you know. There's some. You know, people, there's not a lot of agriculture where I'm at. I'm kind of in the mountains, so you'll get a hay field every once in a while, and you may get some, you know, guy that planted corn one year. Mostly hay fields, people cut hay for their their uh, their animals and stuff. But, you know, I, and, and sometimes people own goats and whatever, and sometimes they'll have farm turkeys. So I've, I've heard farm turkeys, and the first time I went out west, you know, you hear that, you know, instead of the eastern being like, oh, just a freaking hammer in the pines, you know, yes. you hear that, <laughs> yeah, they felt like that laugh to it almost. Dude, yeah. it's crazy. What what a crazy uh what a crazy deal, dude. So so what's yeah. your what what's your tentative plans, you know, without giving away too much info? Like what you know, what's your you got any big travel plans this year or what you got lined up for the spring? Yeah, we're uh I got to let's see. This weekend I'm I'm just hunting with some buddies. They've got some tags um for Iowa. I'm going to hunt with them and then I'll start hunting in Iowa probably next week. And then um yeah, first week of May, we're doing another nine-day swing. We're going out, hit two diff- two new states out west. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. So, so what's what's hunting in Iowa like as far as turkeys? I mean, obviously, we've seen videos like the hunt public, and you know, they kind of made Iowa famous because I think that's where they were based out of for a little while. May, may still yep. still be, but 
I mean, is there? I mean, what what are the WMAs like? Does it does it vary depending on where you're at in the state? What like what kind of terrain and hunting pressure? You know, and obviously don't name any any places specifically. But I mean, what 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 do you typically see? You know, from opening day to you know, kind of when the season winds down. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of experience hunting a lot of different areas in Iowa. I mean, I grew up here and right smack in the middle of Iowa, and it's, okay. it's pretty. Flat. Yeah, it's flat here, farm country. Um, so I do hunt a lot around here on some permission stuff and some, uh, public too. And then, um, so yeah, like here in central Iowa, it's pretty flat farm country. You, you know, you're, you're going to have blocks, of, big blocks of timber along our rivers and stuff. And then you go South, pretty much all Southern Iowa is just rolling Hills, wooded Creek draws. Um, you go West and you start getting into less Hills. It looks a little bit more like Nebraska. Same thing with Northwest Iowa. Okay you go up to like Northeast Iowa and I mean, it's, you're getting into the driftless range. So you're getting into, it looks a lot like Wisconsin and you know, Southeast Minnesota and uh, Southwest Wisconsin. So we got a little bit of everything here. And I, I try to hunt different areas um, either for myself or with friends every year, just to kind of see some, some different stuff. And it never disappoints. I can say that. Oh, that dude, that's, that's wicked. Yeah. So like in it, the, the, how, how long does Iowa season go for? I've never looked up the regs, but I just was curious like how long it lasted. Yeah. We're, we're kind of different. So we, like I said, we have four seasons. Um, that's crazy. The first season, yeah. It started on Monday and it ends tomorrow. And then second season is Friday through, I think Tuesday. Third season is um, next Wednesday. And I think it's a seven or eight day season. And then we've got a, like a two and a half week season in May for season. So as residents, we have to pick um, one, one of the first three seasons and then we can hunt the four season again, or we can just get two tags for the four season. Oh, wow, dude, that's crazy. So you really have to know, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost like a gamble. Cause I mean, really depending on, I mean, your, your birds are obviously turkeys just like we have down here. So it's really kind of a pick between, you know, do you want to get out there as early as you can, you know, and potentially be right. around hinned up birds? Or do you want to, you know, kind of roll the dice and see if you can get, you know, lonely birds while the hens are on nest late season? So it's it's kind of a – that's kind of crazy. It's not like Georgia. So Georgia opens April 1st and goes all the way to, I think, the first week of May. And you can yep. hunt it all, you know. So yeah. you, you only get two tags, and um, which is odd for us because normally it's three birds and you can double on the same day. Uh, but right. you know, I, I think you can actually, I think in the past you could actually have killed all three of your birds in the same day. Yeah. I want to say, but that, that's changed now. Obviously it's, it's on an online e-tag. So if my Georgia boys out there, if you tag two birds and you log in the system, you're probably gonna get a tick in the mail. <laughs> so, <laughs> so keep that in mind boys. But yeah, that's yeah. a, that's just, it's crazy how different season is and, and, uh, and, yeah. and, and obviously that's weather dependent too. Cause I mean, if you got a super cold, like long lasting spring, you know, you're probably better off to, you know, try to save it to the end. Really? Exactly. I mean, and, like, it is a gamble. I mean, like I said, the, the first season's only like four or five days long. So, I mean, you wow. could get four rain, you know. You're it, screwed. It is a gamble, but I mean, I, I used to not and never understand it. And I, I understand it now why they do it. It's like, so Iowa is roughly like 97% uh, like basically ag ground. We, we don't have a lot of habitat here. So, ah, okay. It, it basically if we could hunt all season it would just pe people know where the turkeys are so i mean i feel like you'd have a lot of we'd have a lot higher success rates and which is not a oh okay so so it's split up to benefit obviously you know getting those hens bred and get them on nest you know without exactly. without being interrupted which is typically what you're seeing across the southeast now i mean i think mississippi and alabama are probably going to follow suit because dude i want to say alabama is still a five bird state Purple. That's insane. That, that it is insane, and obviously, like I mean, I'm going to rub. I mean, I, if you're an Alabama guy out there listening, this is completely just my opinion from a Georgia guy. I've, I've never actually taken an Alabama bird yet, so uh, you know my opinion may change. But I, I, I think a three bird limit is probably universally pretty liberal. Uh, you know, I mean, a five bird limit, you're just like, damn, dude. I mean, because and and Alabama may have that kind of turkey population and may have the ability to handle that kind of harvest rate but I, I don't know man I, i'm not a biologist in alabama i may have it completely ass backwards but to me a five bird per guy limit is kind of insano i mean just to be honest with you i mean i i would almost you know rather see it three birds and know that 
you know, two more birds per hunter lived on. But, you know, I, I may have it wrong. But de- definitely seen the – I've seen some positive advantages of it here, uh, Jed, which is kind of crazy because well, as I talk to turkey hunters and kind of find out, you know, their background and what they do for conservation, and I mean, obviously being a part of, you know, stuff like Turkeys for Tomorrow or NWTF, that's that's great, and those dollars get spent in a positive way across the board. But uh, when you ask a guy like, hey, you know, are you pretty active on the trap line or do you do any – you know, preseason trapping or anything specifically for turkeys or plant turkey specific habitat or food plots or whatever. It that that's a hard question, man, because a lot of people, I mean, especially young guys coming into it, they may not have had that granddad that grew up, you know, running a trap line for the extra cash or like have a background in coon hunting or or whatever. So I always am a huge advocate and I actually am guilty of it myself. I've only started trapping here in the last two years pretty seriously. So yeah. Uh, I mean, and specifically for turkeys on this piece of private that I hunt. So just in the last year, I was able to take, I think it was seven coons off of it. And, and we've already seen a, a increase in jakes. So, you know, I, I, w- I would like to say, I would like to say that was because of the trapping, but obviously if it, you know, was directly responsible or maybe if it helped just one more male turkey bust an eggshell, then that's a good thing. So, yeah. So yeah, man, I I always tell guys on these podcasts, hey, if you're if you're brave enough to pull the trigger on a long beard, be brave enough to invest the money and the time and and take some of those nest predators out of even even just your own backyard, dude. It's crazy how it affects local turkey population. But yeah, that's a that's wild. I'm sure some Alabama guys gonna get mad and comment on the podcast now because I, I talk shit about their their five bird limit, but <laughs> oh well they can just get mad yeah. but it's it's coming from a good place but yeah dude that so that so that's so interesting so if if i was in iowa you really gotta you gotta really plan your your season accordingly you know you gotta watch the weather and kind of know where you're gonna hunt and and yep. uh that's a that's a freaking that's interesting dude so going back to something that we have in common you know obviously i didn't get to talk to you about it a lot at nwtf we were kind of busy but Going through your camera setup, uh, do you find it a struggle between kind of like what what I do? Like, you, there's two cut and dry theories here. So if you're going to film a hunt, whether it's whitetail, turkey, you know, whatever, with a bow or rifle, whatever species, whatever game, wherever you're at, it's it's like it was an internal struggle for me to pick out my camera setup because I I, I love shooting good quality steals for like selfish reasons, like my Instagram and stuff like that, but. But I also wanted to capture, you know, good HD video, and it's right. so hard. It's, I mean, and turkey hunting really is is specific because it's it's fast paced. You got to be able to focus the right lighting and everything so quick to even get a decent video out there. But you're kind of limited on, okay, am I going to go in the, my parents' basement and get like a Sony Handycam, or am I going to try to outfit, you know, like my DSLR mirrorless camera to also do both? So, right. so I was just curious to see kind of what your camera setup is and kind of what, you know, maybe there's a guy listening that wants to get into filming himself. You know, what kind of tips and gear do you use during turkey season? Yeah, so I, I, I started filming years ago on a, a Sony, or sorry, a Canon XA20. That's like a handy, handy cam style camera. Okay. That's like, that, that camera was, it was the tools for filming. Huh? It was super to set up and run. And then um, I actually sold that camera when I, started really getting into photography and then i i went to sony mirrorless and got out of filming hunts actually for a few years and then one day because I, I, I always had my sony with me just to take pictures and stuff and then one okay. day i was like i've got this thing out with me i might as well like film some stuff with it here and there so i i started filming again probably five or six years ago and then i pretty much just stuck with my uh my sony mirrorless it's it's not it's not quite as easy to film with those especially self-filming as it yeah. is on a handy cam style camera, you know, but I was, I was listening to your podcast with Cade and I remember Cade saying he's not out trying to, you know, film anything super cinematic. And that's exactly how I feel. I, I, I'm not looking to film anything movie production wise style. I'm just trying to, you know, capture the hunt as best as I can and call it good. Yeah, dude. And that's totally, and I, I tell guys, especially like if you listen to that podcast or the, or the how to film your hunt setup podcast is definitely subjective. So, it depends on what you want to see as the final product. And, and definitely I can tell in your, in your videos, you are using a, you know, like what I call a big camera. So like your mirrorless camera, you can tell in some of your talking head video and, and some yep. of that. I like that look. That's kind of what I go for. I use that, you know, that Sigma lens. I think it's like a 16 millimeter or something. It blurs the background. Perfect yep. for talking head, but yet 
if I want to zoom in and get the kill shot on a turkey or a deer, I've got to switch lenses to the zoom lens and all exactly. this stuff. So it's a freaking... <laughs> I'm just happy to hear somebody else has the same struggle as me, dude. Because at the end of the day, like I want to make a good YouTube video, but I don't want it to look like somebody filmed it on... You know, one of those old flip phones, dude. Like, I mean, I totally, and it's something that you're starting to see. Like Dave Owens, for instance, freaking successful YouTube channel, probably one of the top three turkey hunting YouTube channels out there. Uh, what a great dude, world champion turkey caller. But he uses like the cheapest camera you can, you can, it looks like a Kmart camera. Yeah. But I mean, he's got the audience. And I think once you get to that point on YouTube, you know, like once you get to, I don't know what, I don't know how many subscribers he's at, maybe 20, 30,000, something like that. But, you know, once you get up to there, I mean, you know, they may not care. Maybe they just like him and the content so much they really could care less. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch Dave for for you know his skills as a videographer. I watch him for his skills as a turkey yep. hunter, and he does it. He does that perfectly. So that's it, dude. Yeah, and that's exactly right. So and 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 that just shows you guys out there listening. You don't have to have a uh, you know five thousand dollar camera set up. You can go out and use use what you have. If you just have an iPhone and a GoPro, boom, that's two camera angles. You're all you need is a tripod and maybe like a you know thirty forty dollar microphone that has a lightning port from Amazon, and you're you're off to the races. You know, yep. so I mean it's it can be done, and you just you just got to get out of it what you you know. Have in mind what you want as a final product and try to strive for that. So that's kind of, that's just cool to hear what, so do you, do you use a GoPro or a secondary camera angle at all or like Tacticam or anything like that? Yeah, I, I, I bought a GoPro for this year. I already used oh, it. Oh, sweet. I, I used it in the, yeah, I did use it in the Nebraska videos and I'm going to start running that on my vest now too, just for if I'm ever in a situation where I got to drop the Sony and just film off my shoulder, I'll do that, so. Dude, yeah, that's such a that's such a sweet thing to have because I mean, even if you're and I think I think me, me and Tricky talked about this, like you said, but like sometimes he'll I think he has multiple GoPros. Like it's like one he'll have one on him, but then you can also throw it on maybe maybe you're running camera and your buddies you know behind the gun. You can strap one on right. him, you know, so yeah. to get three different angles, which is just it's insane and it's kind of a pain in the ass <laughs> when you're in post. But I mean, ultimately it adds value to the video. So I mean, heck, it's yeah. it's freaking killer. So as far as as far as hunting style in Iowa, I mean probably it's probably you know time of the year and season dependent. But you guys mostly running gun in general, or do you you know have you know pre plans of setups like where you set decoys in the dark, or you kind of leave yourself leeway? What what is your your guys's you know what, what's your preferred hunting style for turkeys? Uh yeah, I'm I'm definitely a running gunner. Um, I got away from decoys probably five, I don't know five six years ago, and uh, now it's just, I love to go out and roost them in the afternoon and then go in super early and get underneath them. That's, that's my favorite. And that's what I always try to do now. So we will, I mean, we will put out a decoy every now and then we, I like, I enjoy a good, you know, Jake decoy beat down from time to time, but my heart and soul is definitely in run and gun with no decoys and just call them close. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I would completely agree. I, I definitely think decoys are situational, you know, like if you're, you know, in a ground blind archery hunting and you're trying to obviously you know, hunting with a bow and turkeys is just hard enough anyway. So any advantage you can get, you know, trying to stay hid but yet get them in bow range, that's that's a must, especially if you're out of state and trying to get it done. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like you, that school of thought of, you know, going out and roosting them, getting super tight, you know, using no light, you know, trying to be you know, just a complete ninja in the woods before fly down. That's a, that's a huge thing. And then also, you know, you got to think, guys out there listening to the podcast, maybe you just bought a $100 Avionex hen. Be careful using that thing because turkeys are visual. And remember, in in nature, turkeys look like that and have those crazy awesome feathers and iridescence because the hen is supposed to go to that tom. So as a turkey hunter, you're reversing that. So just just be aware if you set that hen decoy out there, it could it could make a gobbler hang up. So just just be aware of that. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. You know, be conservative on calling. I'm sure Jed would agree. You know, use decoys sparingly because. He's gonna to want to come looking, and that's obviously what's gonna drag him on into shotgun range. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely the same the same school of thought there. So give me give me your complete, which is something we've been doing the last couple of uh, podcasts here with turkey hunters. But give me your complete like head to toe rundown of your you know let's call it like a turkey loadout. Like what's your favorite gear? You know maybe okay. maybe some favorite stuff you throw in the vest that are in there for every hunt. Uh, you know your complete turkey loadout for spring season. Okay, yeah, so. I'll 
for I'll start at the toes. I wear crispy boots and I run mossy oak camo. Um, do throw on the leafy jacket from time to time, and Hell yeah. I'm run, running the uh, the grounded impact 1.0. I freaking love that thing. It's the best vest I've ever worn. I actually got away from wearing vests for a few years because I just could never find one that I liked. And I, I went to a pack actually, just like a ba- small backpack. And oh, okay. I did that for like two years and realized that wasn't, wasn't really it. So actually that year that you and I met at NWTF, I was like telling my buddies, like, if I find a vest that I like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it out. Cause I, I miss, I did miss the vest. I just, I needed to find what I liked. And I talked to Drew and, tried on that impact vest and i was like yeah this could work and i ran it all last year and that's the last that's the last vest i'm ever buying oh dude it's like a it's like a worn in pair of coveralls dude it just feels it just feels right when you throw it yeah. on there for sure and i mean wow. i i used to run like the i mean i'm talking like early 2000s you know strap vest from from bass pro shops when bass pro was was worth a damn and and uh, and the redhead series of vests, and then you know, you know, Primos came out with the gobbler vest, and it is crazy how far turkey vests have come, especially. Now, let me ask you this: so something that I found on my grounded vest, which is something that I remedied super easy, but I think he actually corrected on the 2.0. When you were running and gunning last year, did you notice your straps loosen up on you pretty easy? Yeah, my I ended up taping them up actually. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I did too. I I was like the second hunt I went on. Uh, and I'm the kind of guy where like, I like having stuff in there, but I don't really take like four pot calls and three, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got one friction call, usually a glass call from foot on the head. Uh, yep. I've, got, I've got my main mouth call and maybe a backup, uh, my shotgun shells, turkey tote, and you know, probably just some junk in the back big pocket for my camera gear and maybe some toilet paper. Like I'm really kind of minimalist on my my vest so on my second hunt i was like damn dude like i don't know why these i just think it was a flaw in where they sourced the buckles but dude i just like you said i took some black gorilla tape i got it adjusted yep. in the shop and then just wrapped it at that setting and dude it was i mean the yep. ve- the vest has to literally break for those things to fail now so yeah. yeah that was that was the one only thing that i was like what the heck's going on here but yeah i literally just i threw some hockey tape on them and yeah but yeah now that, that 2.0 they put the buckles up. my brother actually bought one. Oh, i saw stuff. that and yep. uh, yeah so I, he's like i'm like wow they put buckles on there that's that's nice so yeah it seems like they got that figured out now so yeah dude and they also changed uh i don't know if you if you've looked at his clothes or tried it on yet but you know how the chest buckle is like raised up off the i'm trying to think so i'm a right-handed shooter the buckle yep. is on the left side, and so they had a lot of complaints on lefties like trying to shoulder a shotgun. So if you, oh, if, yeah. if, you if you ever check his out, the the buckle is now like it's like it's not on that pad no more. Like that, I think they they scrunched it in like to the to the they sewed it inside that strap. In other words, so if you go to shoulder a shotgun left or right handed, uh, you're completely fine now. I'm trying to think of what else they did. I, I was. I got to spend a little bit of time with Drew. Drew. Drew's the one that helps me get in the NWTF. He gets me passes every year. I can buy them through him. So he's such a great guy. And obviously, guys, listen to the podcast. I know you're going to say, oh, you don't have any sponsors. We do not have any sponsors. I just know Drew personally, a great guy. There's a shitload of turkey vests out there. We're not biased. I paid my hard-earned money for my turkey vest. I know Jed did because I watched him buy his. So, again, no sponsors. We just We just know this guy. What a great family-owned company. And uh, anytime I can shout him out, I'm going to. He's just a just a down to earth good dude. You know, I was yeah. happy to spend my dollars with with them. But but yeah, dude. So so you're running a vest. Uh, let's see. So your vest rundown. Like, what's your go to call? You know, are you a diaphragm guy, friction guy? Like, what what are you running in the in the woods for turkey calls? Yeah, I've got a like a like you. I well, I do carry I carry two pot calls. I've got one. It's a glass. It's a, called a Bullies. Uh, it's a small company out of Michigan. It was okay. actually a it was a gift, a graduation gift from one of my great uncles. So oh, I always, that's cool. Yep. And then I've got another one that I bought at uh, our Iowa Deer Classic. It's it's like a really thin pot call. It's made for tree helping. The oh. things that's all. And then um, yeah, I carry like three mouth calls. I have got a couple pin hoodies. Um, I usually throw one of them in there. I really love the Bo Brooks Power Call, the Batwing. That is a nice one. Oh yeah, it's my favorite favorite mouse call of all time. And then uh, I actually got into making mouse my own diaphragm calls last year. So I really, I'll one, yeah, I'll throw one or two of them in there too. 
That's cool. So, so did you get into? I mean, obviously, if you if you dove down that rabbit hole, which is a freaking rabbit hole, believe me. Uh, yeah. Did did you get into like you know what kind of stretch you like versus what call fits your mouth? You know your air channel. Did you, did you so so you like a bat wing? It sounds like for your your style of yeah, calling. I'm definitely a bat wing. I will I will blow on a ghost cut every now and then. But uh, yeah, I've made I've been making calls for like a year, a little over a year now, and uh, I can. To be honest, I haven't quite gotten it figured out. I bet I've made 200 calls, and I've made two that I thought were, like, perfect. But uh, wow, the, the stretch is really hard to figure out, and I, I don't got a really – I don't got a super fancy jig. It's just a little – I mean, it was, like, maybe 100 bucks, and you can make calls on it, but it takes some practice, and I haven't got it quite dialed in. But I've made a couple that are that are really nice. So, Dude, that's really cool, man. Yeah, and that's something that I, I figured out whenever I was – you know, because everybody grows up blowing a, a a diaphragm call. You know, in my opinion, wrong until somebody says, "Hey, man, you know, you gotta, you know, there's a certain way to find. You know, I call finding your Yelp where it sounds like a super clear front end. You know, back down to raspy. I kind of like to describe it as, you know, an old creaky screen door at your grandma's house that hadn't been oiled in a while. You know, that's kind of the the high yeah. the high to low to a a natural turkey Yelp, and that's something that obviously you know when you spend time in the woods and hear live hens or you call up a live hen that's upset obviously you know hearing a live turkey is the best teacher you'll ever have but yeah so i i went on that journey trying to find my yelp a couple years ago and dude uh I, the wildlifer from foot on the head is a triple recall which is what i found out that i you know that makes me sound the best is a triple recall uh, apparently i like a low stretch which is something i didn't know until about a year ago and then you know that style of cut like the open part of the cut it's not a reverse combo. I'm trying to think of the name it's called. It's like where the more the it's like a it's like you cut a like a like a diamond cut in half and then the biggest the widest cut on the top range on the left side if you're looking down at the call. I don't know what that's called, but but that that's where my air channel like I said, I found my Yelp on that and I was able to, you know, do better cutting and moving into the subtle stuff. The subtle stuff is what really kills turkeys in my opinion, like the bubble clucks, the whines. You know, the really subdued yelping. You know, Bo Brooks, like you mentioned, I got to meet him at the NWTF this year. What a freaking great dude. He sounds like a human. I call him the human fox pro. Like, he can do whatever, dude. He's a freaking (laughs) mythical being. Yeah, that guy can. He could he could call a turkey out of an oven for sure, dude. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I hadn't heard that. I'm gonna have to use that. That's a call turkey <laughs> out of an oven, dude. He definitely can. Like like talking to him, like he's a. I don't know if that gap in his tooth helps him or not, but I mean he's got to have something that God gave him to help him sound like that. But the the, the dude yeah. the dude is super humble. Will help anybody learn on a turkey call and and have it his own. Uh, I need to try his signature call. I've been meaning to order one, but I tried one out of a company called Cluck. Uh, customs yeah. and it's like a veteran-owned company. I think they're out of. I'm trying to remember where that package came from, Pennsylvania or something. But the dudes are super awesome. You can DM them and like, like I said, guys, no sponsors. I bought this call with my own money, but I DM them as like, hey, this is a call I like. You know, I'm not really sure what stretch. And he said, well, based off what you like and what you're calling right now with, you know, you either going to need a medium or a low stretch. But they they steered me towards the right mouth call, and, and luckily I ordered the right one. I picked the low stretch just based off of what he told me and. And dude, it was freaking great. You know what? What a great! It's so cool when you could reach out to a company and say, "Hey, this is what I like." You know, what do you recommend? And you got that one-on-one with them. So, but dude, that's so funny. You said that about your call with your uncle because something that I asking these turkey hunters, you know, like myself, we're, we're kind of superstitious, man. Like stuff we take in our vest and you know, call, oh, yeah. calls that we've been given, or you know, other than anything like that, you keep in your vest. Obviously, that pot call from your uncle, but something that you keep, like even from when you started turkey hunting, that you haven't given up. Um, gosh, I don't think so. That, that, that bullies, that's about it. I mean, I, that call, my brother's got the same exact one. He got one a year later, um, for a graduation present. And we both talk, we actually were talking about this in Nebraska. We both have one striker we will use with it. And <laughs> my brother made the comment. He's like, man, if I ever lost this striker, I, it'd be the end of the world. Like just cause you, when you get superstitious a little bit about it. That's just what works. And that's what you stick with. And yeah, so. dude, it's it's so crazy to think like you know what what junk is rolling around in people's turkey vests that you know they really don't use all the time, but you feel naked without it. I've got this old <laughs> knee pod from like Hunter Specialties that Walmart sold back in like two thousand you know three or four or something like that on the turkey aisle. Yeah, it's like in real tree hardwood green HD. That's how old this camo is, and and oh, uh, yeah. I don't really use it a whole lot. It's just one of those little foam knee pods that you're supposed to strap to your leg to yeah you know, prop your shotgun on and. 
you know, I don't really use it a whole lot, but I like having it in the vest just because it makes me, it's nostalgic. You know, I like, because yeah. I remember, you know, being out there young and not knowing really anything, you know, watching the truth videos, the old Primo's VHS with dad and getting all riled up about it. So it's just something about, I just think it's cool to hear what guys throw in their vest and, and yeah. stuff like that. Dude, speaking of vests, oh my God. I mean, obviously you saw this, but what'd you think about the Fox vest, dude? Yeah, that's crazy. I just was, I mean, I didn't look into a ton, but I was seeing all the stuff on Facebook, like the lines of people waiting for that thing. Oh my word, dude. I mean, could, I mean, hats off to the, to the Masiok marketing team. Cause dude, they hit the nail on the head. I mean, yeah. with that. And I mean, plus like the, the fans behind Masiok are, are insane. Oh, I mean, obviously the, such a great company that's rooted so deep in, in Turkey culture, but Dude, man, what? Yeah, you're right. There was people sleeping on the the floor of the Gaylord, dude, like for six hours yeah, to even believe. to even get one, which is not, and one of my local buddies here, Dalton, he was actually on the last podcast, Will Morrow, he got one of the unnumbered ones that were released online, and uh, uh-huh. his only complaint was that it's it's a really nice piece of memorabilia, but he did say it was freaking heavy. Just just based on, you know, the crazy high-quality leather and stuff that's on it. Sure. He he said, I like it. It's just kind of like, you know, it, it's cool to have one, obviously. But, you know, would he turkey hunt out of it every day? He said probably not. Sure. So I just thought that was thought that was interesting. All right. Let's dive into turkey gun setups, dude. Run me through your, your perfect, you know, your preferred turkey gun setup. Yeah, so uh... – about three years ago, I joined um, the guys at Stoger. So I'm a social ambassador for Stoger now. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, yeah. So then they 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 send me some guns every now and then, and I kind of like I need to get good turkey guns from them. So I got I've got two now. I've got two little Stoger M3020 uh, 20 gauges, um, and uh, I got one of them. That's it's probably the last turkey gun I'll ever shoot. It's I got a I got a Burst Fast Fire three on it, and uh, I got a Rob Roberts TSS choke in there and I just run, I'm going to start running apex number nines through it. And yeah, that's the gun I took pretty much. I took it out West with me last year and hunted in Iowa with it. And I love it. So dude, that's, that's so wicked. Did you get a chance to check out the video of the world's smallest turkey gun yet on the channel? Yeah, I, did. I, was, I was watching. I was following along on that. That was pretty neat. Dude. It is so crazy carrying this thing. Like, I'm, I'm almost like I haven't shot a bird with it yet. So, I mean, obviously I've, I've patterned it, you know, a, a thousand times already, but it's just one of those things where especially going out of state, I just feel bad not having a backup gun. Cause I mean, but, obviously you're kind of like me, you're kind of relying on optics, which I've got, I've got FF4s on both of mine. I've got Steve, which is the tried and true, you know, Steven's 20 gauge we've had for like four seasons now, but uh, yep. I bought this little baby 510, dude, and it's like, <laughs> it feels like a kid's gun. Like, yeah. when, like when you shoulder it and the barrel doesn't go past your shoulder, you just feel like, what the heck am I? But, dude, as far as, like, taking it and, and actually hunting with it, dude, it's such a dream. Like, you can yeah. swing it around trees. You can shoot it left-handed. It's Now, when you do shoot it with these hand loads, it feels like you're strapping on a, a hand cannon. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but other than that, dude, it's... It's wicked. Now, now my first uh, duck gun ever was a Stoker. I think I started out with an M3000 because I didn't get the three and a half inch version. But dude, Stoker makes a makes a good shotgun, man. I think they're they're kind of slept on as a brand. Yeah. But I mean, as far as like that duck gun is, uh, in my terminology, I would say it's built like a brick shit house. Like it's just it's just a good system. You know, it's kind of a version of. I mean, obviously it's an, it's an inertia gun, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I just never had a problem with it. You know, I think I shot it for my first three or four seasons, and then I saved up enough, enough money to the Super Black Eagle three was had just launched, so I was like one of the second people in Dalton, Georgia, to even pre-order one because I was saving up an arm and leg to get one. But yeah, I mean, I never yeah. had a problem with Stoger. I've I've been really interested in that that thirty twenty when it came out. Um, is it drilled and tap like the three thousand model? Or they've is, got a, they've got a one specific like it's like a turkey specific. Oh, it's a model. turkey model. Okay. Yeah, but the the um, if you buy just a regular basic model, they're not they don't come drilled and tapped. The re- the basic receiver or whatever is it's too thin. So oh, okay. One bummer on it. Yeah, my my second one's just like a basic basic M thirty twenty in bottom land. I was gonna get a red dot for it, but uh, I can't now. But that's right. I got the I got the other one that. That's cool. 
That's cool. So if I was ever put in that situation, something that you probably have seen, or if, if you ever wanted to turn that one into a, a turkey gun, uh, there's a, you could put a, a meadow Creek mount and put one up on the, on the vent rib if you ever yeah. wanted to. So, I so that's, that, that's an interesting, I've never personally shot one with the red dot being that far out, but it, it's, it's intrigued me. Like I've wanted to try it, but I haven't, you know, I've, I, I usually run either the Sum Toy. I've got a Sum Toy Customs uh, low pro mount on my Stevens, and then on this little Mossberg, I've got the, I think it's an EGW Universal, but it fits that same footprint for a Burris, which is uh, the Vortex or Doctor footprint. I forget whatever the terminology is, but um, yeah, that that Meadow Creek mount may be a solution for you on that other one if you ever wanted to run it. Yeah, I'll have to look in. I, I did. I did see that. I also I saw one too that fits in like where your shim is or something. Oh yeah, the the speed bead. Yeah, yeah. I I like that, but I don't know. And and, and like I said, there, there may be guys out there that love that. I just personally, I man, I would. I just feel like with a magnum load, it just it just would be weird. I've I've heard people say that they like it so close because you can. Uh, it doesn't obstruct your like peripheral view. Like it's sure. so, it's so close. Like you could shoot with both eyes open, and you can kind of get a you know, like a one eighty view in front of you instead of just kind of being choked down to the red dot. It may work. I don't know. I actually had a buddy that shot ducks and geese with one like that. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole nother, uh, that's a whole nother planet, dude. But, uh, but yeah, dude. So, I mean, obviously you guys got some plans for turkey season and, uh, I mean, are you going to be, you know, hot and heavy after, after the filming again this year too, as well? Yeah, I'm going to try to. That's, uh, that's my whole goal anyway. We'll see how that goes, but. Dude, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm I'm freaking riled up. So so you guys obviously go go follow Jed Miller. He just he just gave you his idea. I'll let him do it again here at the end. But but uh, dude's got some great content out there. He's gonna be you know fast, hot and heavy after these long beers, just like we are. And and I'm actually sitting here. This is the last podcast probably before we hit the road ourselves. So we're gonna leave out of here, Dalton, Georgia, uh, three in the morning on Friday, and we're gonna be just absolutely pedal the metal until we get to Kansas and meet up with Seth Fritz out there. So. Jed, the plan is to get out there early enough to either have a you know late afternoon hunt or at least get something roosted. Uh, try to go after some Rios in Kansas on Saturday for their uh, second day of their opener, and then jet up to uh, Nebraska to another piece of private or public, depending on what the situation is, and and kind of go from there, man. So I'm sure we'll uh, I'm sure we'll be talking and swapping pictures, but but dude, go ahead and tell everybody where they can follow you again the YouTube and the IG page. Yeah, yeah, my Instagram is uh, at Miller underscore Hunt and Photo, and then my YouTube is just Jed Miller. It's a my profile picture is a picture of me with a white tail. So, dude, that's wicked, buddy. Well, again, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast, dude. What a pleasure to actually get a conversation in and talk some turkey and and uh, was a was a freaking blast to have you on, dude. And and guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Part Time Hunter Podcast. Again, no commercials, no BS, no filler. Just a pure hunting podcast for you guys. Every week, we're going to try to do at least two to three episodes for turkey season and uh, keep this content rolling. So, obviously, check out Mojo Buck 80 on IG, Mojo Buck Productions on YouTube to catch all this turkey tour footage. And as always, guys, we'll catch you on the next one.